Welcome to Loving That Sports Talk with your host, James Loving. If you're looking for a fast-paced show that covers football and so much more, this is the place to be. Now, here's your host, formerly of the Philadelphia Eagles, James Loving. This is James Loving, your host of Loving That Sports Talk and co-host. You know, Chris? I'm here, James. Because I don't know what it is, but I think we're getting better. Better. We got great guests today. Great guests. Absolutely. Well, we got Anthony. Uh, we got former NFL player Anthony Marble, right? Yes. Uh huh. He must have been named. I don't know what's me. How you doing, Al? Glad to have you back. Uh, thanks for having me. Oh, you were. And then we got former NFL player Dave Kingsridder. How you doing, Dick? Doug? Doug? Doug's doing fine. Thank you. That's good. Glad to have you on. Thank you. Chris, what are we going to do today? We're we in trouble today, Chris. I, I know we got we got two that are are just so great with the game, and we're just gonna have to hit it hard. Yeah, well, Doug, we like to start off our uh, apples on last week. We got a little bit of volume, but tell the listeners out there, you know, and um, a little bit about yourself, where you're from, what you're doing, just so we get to know you, and then we get on you, right, Chris? Yes, hey, sir. Happy to do that. that. Happy to do that. Uh, way back, uh, University of Minnesota. Uh, made All-American as tight end and then was drafted by the Vikings and played four years. Uh, Super Bowl is 8-9, missed 11 to injury. Um, and uh, then went on after that, decided I needed to make an honest living and <laughs> went into went into the real estate business so I could learn business. Ended up uh, moving on into publishing and children's materials, writing children's books and Musicals, a talent I didn't know I had, and uh, after that went into national nonprofit uh, work as a senior executive, and I think that's about as quick as I can do that. Wow! <clears throat> I know Chris got a lot of questions, and me and her been talking about this, but I'm gonna start off and I'm gonna work everybody. Because last week uh, we was into a lot of things in the NFL, but um, I got a lot of emails from last week's show, and then when we put you, you gonna be on there. Doug, we got some emails, questions, so I'm going to jump into those, and then Chris will jump in. But um, uh, we like to do things for, me and Chris will do a show, we like to do it for the younger generation, the younger kids. What can we, you know, tell them and help them um, through their way in life, not only in football, sports, but off the field and, you know, in the class. So um, my question, asked, and um, Doug, give a little thing about what would you tell, you know, uh, say, younger kid, or, you know, we ain't got to talk to the concussion thing, but just um, hard work, or what do you think? Go, You go first, Doug. I, I, think, I think the biggest thing that I can add is uh, something that my friend Tony Dungy has been doing. Tony's been traveling around and visiting with NFL head coaches, and what he's saying is this. You don't want a troublemaker on your team. And you can identify troublemakers by looking at their record in college or looking at their record in high school. And he goes on to show the statistics of the impact. You know, maybe you've got a 4-4 guy, but he's a troublemaker. Maybe you need a 4-6 guy that isn't a troublemaker, and the team will still produce uh, a better result. And, and I've really appreciated uh, Tony in doing that uh, because it's a message that's now creeping down into college and will probably get down into high school. And the message with these coaches would be, look, if you want to play in the NFL, if you're a college coach, you, you've got to have a clean record, which means don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, and don't do that. And these are the things you should do. Get in class. Be in class. You're there to get an education. And so I, I think that, that that you get the idea here, but I think that's probably the, the best uh, advice that there is for anybody who's playing because they tend to think that, hey, I'm, I'm in the NFL or I'm a great college player and I can do anything I want. Uh, and unfortunately, those are the people whose careers get cut short. So those are my thoughts uh, to your question. Thank you, Anthony. Yeah, uh, I'm in a peculiar situation because I, I work with high school kids because I coach high school football, and I kind of see where it all starts at. You know, I see from the moment the guys step on the high school campus, you know, what their aspirations and what their dreams are. A lot of the kids who play sports, 
they always want to go to college on a scholarship and eventually go pro. And along the way, you know, you're going to run into some kids who they don't have the family background to keep them on that straight and narrow path. Sometimes they lean on the coaches for that guidance. Like I have kids all the time that look at me as a father figure because they don't have that father figure at home. But I think the most important thing as a coach and when you're working with kids, you know, it's real easy for people on the outside to say, hey, that kid did this or that guy did this, and he shouldn't get the opportunity. But a lot of times you really have to get down to the root of the problem, like really what's going on at home or really what type of background do the kid have, what type of upbringing. Because sometimes kids don't know some of the things that they should be doing and some of the things that they shouldn't be doing. Sometimes you have one kid who's been raised in a real good household and he knows the, the right and wrong and what lines not to tote. But then you have that kid who's not raised in that household. He's going to make some questionable decisions because he don't have anyone that's there to correct it. So a lot of times my advice to the kids is understand your surroundings. If you need to talk with someone, if you have some situations in your mind where you think that this might be a bad idea, if you have any second guessing, it's probably a bad idea. So, but the most important thing that we're dealing with right now with young kids is the social media. And I think that's the thing that's getting a lot of kids in trouble. Anthony, I I just really want to commend you for what you've just said because it is right and true. And you're in the midst of this trying to help. Um, And I'm a little embarrassed to share with you this story, but when uh, Jerry Kill came in a couple of years ago as head football coach at Minnesota, I went over to see him and I was talking to him about we want to make sure and recruit kids of character. And he he didn't say anything. He got up, went to his uh, little uh, bookcase, and he pulled out a, a notebook that was about, oh, three inches thick, and he laid it down in front of me, and it had 110 lessons in there. And he said he takes all his players through these lessons. The first one was how you shake hands and how you meet someone. And they go through this drill, and they go through 110 of these uh, lessons that are giving them instruction and help on things that they might not have ever learned or picked up along the way. And uh, I, just, I just think you as a coach, I think that's a wonderful thing that you're, that you're doing to help kids because as you're, you're right, they, they don't know. If they, if they haven't learned yeah. it, they just they don't know. Yeah, uh, and, what, and the thing that, that booklet, I might have to take that and put that in my repertoire because that's awesome though that, he has actually, because he's teaching them all the, the the skills of being able to speak with people and kind of meet people and be respectful. So that's something that's right. that I think that I'm going to start trying to apply where I kind of write together a script and kind of go through it with the kids just to make sure they're they're getting that foundation. Yep, that's the way to that's the way they'll be successful. And uh, mm-hmm. you've got your finger right on the pulse, and you're in the midst of it, which I really commend you. So last week we talked a little bit about some of the troublemakers in the NFL and, you know, the, the problems that, that, are, that are there. I mean, what do you do about them when they're already in the NFL, you know, and, and well, they're with well, the team? Give, give it to another way too, Chris. I mean, like um, Doug was saying, you know, uh, Anthony, that was a great point, but throw it to them like this, Chris, you know, Anthony and Doug, uh, like Chris say, what well, if you have a great player in high school that everybody, you know, know he's great and he's acting up? Do you still play him? And then, like you say, Doug, like when Tony was trying to tell you and coach you, you know, what would you guys do, like Chris say? Yeah, well, first off, it's kind of the head coach, he's going to be the leader. So everybody's watching to see how, he, how he's going to handle certain situations. If if you go ahead and let a let a kid or a guy continue to get in trouble, and you continue to play them, like I think that's that's saying a, a negative thing about you as a head coach because now how can how can you preach to your team uh, we're going to be disciplined, we're going to follow rules, but you're constantly letting a, a guy who break all the rules play. So as the head coach, you have to set the example, and you have to sit that guy down, or you have to give him some type of discipline to let the team know like. This is what we stand for. This is what we're not going to do. 
So as the head coach, you really have to set the, set the example. And if it's your best guy and he can't get in line at what needs to be done, then he might be the, the person that has to put the example set on him. So it reminds me of, reminds me of a story um, that happened in training camp my rookie year. Uh, Bud Grant, uh, we were having skeleton drill. That's backs and ends against you guys, Anthony. And um, Bud Grant blows his whistle, and we kind of all run up there, and he says, look, he says, I can call 500 guys tomorrow who will go out there and run that route wrong. I'm looking for the guy who can run it right. And that's all he said, but the message was clear. And you can change that to, you know, I can call 500 guys tomorrow who will go out there and, and – and and um, you know give it give a cheap shot, you know I'm looking for the guy that will play straight. So you're right, uh, Anthony. You're right about the coach has to establish what the rules are and then has to be able to enforce them. Here in Dallas, where I'm living, uh, there's a lot of talk about Jerry Jones, who doesn't necessarily care that much about character. I don't know if that's fair or not, but you see it in the media. Um, and he'll want a player, and, and they, have, they have a number of guys that apparently are, get in trouble periodically. And uh, it's just, I, I think it hurts the image of the team. I don't know if you guys remember uh, back when uh, Tommy Kramer was playing uh, as quarterback for the Vikings, this was after I was gone, and uh, we had a, we had, they got seven DWIs on the team in one year, and it really... Uh, turned the public sour on the team. I mean, they had to get that cleaned up. So I, I, uh, I agree with you. The coach has got to do that because it, this is it, it. It can impact the public and them coming to the game and paying tickets or buying jerseys or whatever it is that they do. Chris, you know what? I just heard heard the the music. We're gonna take a break. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about uh, football and what's going on. We'll be right back. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Want to experience football from the perspective of two former players who also have coaching experience? Tune in to Sports Info UM with Daryl Oliver and Sam Sword. We'll talk about the drafts, play-by-play, and even what's happening in the offseason. Daryl and Sam have the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. We'll cover the camps, on and off field, and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Check your feelings at the door and enter the man cave. Don't let the name fool you because we're here for anybody that wants to talk and listen in. Host J.D. Harris and friends are here to lead the forum from the fans, former players, owners, execs, and coaches. While inside the man cave, you do whatever you like. We won't judge. We'll even go beyond sports to talk technology, current events, and entertainment. Tune in every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're hooked up with Loving That Sports Talk. James Loving and his guests want to hear it from you. Call us at 1-888-346-9144. That's 888-346-9144. Or drop an email to lovingthatsportstalk at yahoo.com. Now, back to the show. This is Chris Marwitz, the co-host of Loving That Sports Talk. James is with us. Uh, so how are you doing, James? I'm here. I'm here. I'm loving it. Fantastic, fantastic. And we have as our guest, we have Doug Kingswriter. Doug, I know you just got back from Florida. Everything was everything went smooth, and uh, you're yeah, back at I it was, again. That's right. I was loving Florida, and I'm loving this. <laughs> Great. And we have back with us this week again, Anthony Marlborough. How are you doing, Anthony, today? I'm doing great. Just trying to dodge the rain that I'm getting here in Houston today. <sighs> Uh, as we were saying during the break, we, we we so want we need the rain up here. We're just we're it's drying up so bad, but 
Get what you well, get, Chris, I guess. Yeah. Well, um, guys, um, Chris used to be bomb bomb, but she loved right now stuff and questions. So, like, second half of the show, I kind of let her, you know. But uh, I'm so excited, and I'm like, you know, just want to talk. But I want to get another question out real quick, quick, you know. Um, and I kind of want to start with you, Doug, and then you come along, Al, because I want to tell, tell you know, because I'm getting emails. As I'm doing the show, um, I get emails, and people want to ask questions. That's why we got to get you guys on the show where they had a call and let you guys um, answer that question. If that's okay with you guys one day, that'll be okay? Yeah, that'll be okay. fine. Okay. Um, well, my question is, and I know Chris um, got a bunch of them, and she had great questions for the second half. But, um, Doug, you played at 73-75, right? Yeah, that's correct. How do, how do you see the game different from now and the players and just the rules? And then when he's done that, you see how it's different, you know, you think it's different that it changed from when you. Uh, you want to go first, Doug, please? Sure, yeah. Um, our biggest lineman was Ed White. He was 260. Ron Yeri was all pro. He was about 250 or so. Eller, when he played, was about 250. Um, so we didn't have the 300, the 320, you know, in the offensive line at that time. So the game has changed an offensive line from kind of firing out and firing into the guy more to standing up and just, you know, pushing with your arms and your hands for the offensive line. I think it, it's very different now with the defensive backs. Um, I mean, it used to be almost that if they touched you as a receiver, uh, you could get a flag for uh, interference. But now, I mean, it's like they're pawing them all over the place and, and uh the referee says, good luck to the receiver getting out there. So I think, I think those are the big differences that I see in the game. Plus, it's just, it's just faster. Uh, the players are faster than they were when I played. Hmm. Well, coming from my perspective, um, they're most definitely, like Doug said, they're most definitely faster. They're most definitely bigger. They're stronger. They're more athletic. They're smarter because they have so many different resources now to be able to improve their game. Now, guys, it's a, it's a year-round thing. It's no off-season. It's no off-time. If you're not in uh, off-season training with the team, you're off-training by yourself with some personal trainer or, or uh, you, you and your teammates are doing something, and then once the season comes, you have every opportunity to get better no matter, no matter what sport you're in. But I think the key thing is, all the resources that, that the players have today to make them, the, I guess, the super athlete, you know, because now the money has gone up, you know, the, the interest in it has gone up. If you look at some of the television contracts, even in college, and look at some of the college coaches' pay, it's pretty much comparable to what NFL coaches make and the television contracts also. So the more money, the bigger the game, the better the athlete has to be. So the game has changed in so many ways from the cutting edge of training to the cutting edge of money, television, social media, all in all ways has changed. It's not just about the United States now. It's worldwide. So it's not just about the nation. Now it's about the, uh, all, the whole world. Well, let me add to what you're saying, James. You're exactly right. Um, I would say that the majority of my teammates back 73, 4, 5, um, they all had off-season jobs. Even Fran Tarkenton had uh, off-season jobs. And that's what you did. And if you went to the gym and, you know, lifted a few weights or something like that, but, you know, uh, it, it wasn't anywhere near what you've just described. And that's what the money in the game has, has done. But you know what, Doug, and, and Ask got a good point, you know, and I talked with Chris about this when we talk about the show, and she always tell me what happened. Well, when I was in Philly with the guys, it was more, and I think more, it was more the team. I know it was about money, but I think nowadays it's all about more of the money, you know, because everybody's saying it's a business now. So they ain't looking at the loyalty of the team or something. It's like, just, oh, okay, let's get our money and get out. We used to love the play. I mean, I know back then when you played, though, y'all loved the game. You know, it was the game, you know. But, the, but now that's I think right. It, go ahead. The, the thing that was most meaningful for me 
was being out there with those people and being teammates with them. Uh, we had a close team, uh, and I still cherish all the relationships um, that I had during that time. Uh, it's just it probably is the most meaningful group um, I've ever been with, and uh, you know we didn't we didn't really have any uh, dissension on our team because that was controlled as uh, Anthony mentioned. You know the coach coach is a leader, Bud was a leader, and he wouldn't tolerate anything that would bring any uh, problems into the team. So it, it was it was a great great time and uh, I, I don't know what it's like today um, you know if everybody's a multimillionaire on the, on the team that's a different environment than, than what I certainly played in Chris um, I mean one thing Anthony you're talking about is how the players have, have you know definitely you know, improved more athletic because back in the day I mean I, I'm, I'm sure we, when, when you were playing Doug all the defensive linemen offensive linemen had these big old guts, you know. That's where their weight was at, you know. And you saw Dave, it, Dave Butts. <laughs> yes, you saw it. Nowadays, you don't see very many of them like that. No, that's right. You know, and that and has to also, do with improving if, things. If you look at, uh, because I do, a, I do a lot of training athletes. Now you have the offensive linemen and the defensive linemen. Those guys are got they they've gotten very smart now. When they go out to do drills, they want to do skill position drills to improve their quickness and their feet and their hips and their hands and everything. So you don't see them just training doing lineman drills. They're training doing skill position drills just so they can be that much better. I got a little touch of that in college my senior year. We had a new coach, uh, Cal Stahl, came in. and um, uh, Actually, Tom Moore was our offensive coordinator. He went on to be up with uh, Tony Dungy up in Indianapolis. But we did these drills where you'd kind of uh, you'd put your feet together and then apart and together and back, go forward a little bit, put them together and then out, and then you do that real fast. And I found that that changed the way, just that drill. Uh, plus, we did uh, rope jumping. Um, those drills made me a much better blocker because of balance. I was able to keep my balance and keep keep and sustain, uh, you know, the drive block that we need to do on uh, the linebackers. Now, I'd, I didn't try and block a cornerback like you, Anthony. I, that would have been too difficult. But we stay with the linebackers. But those drills really help. You know what, Doug? Uh, I want to go back to something Anthony said and you said. You know, uh, Anthony had a good point. You know, when he said it starts from the head coach as well. Yep. Like you said, uh, you know, we, I had Buddy Ryan. Like, you did not play. You know, Buddy was that coach you didn't play with. I know, you know Buddy. Was, yeah. <laughs> you know, he was that. Uh, you know, and Anthony made a good point. Started with the head coach. But now you see Dave, you know, you know, we could say NFL or, you know, I call it NFL, but the coaches, head coach is really not running the, the show unless you have Bill Belichick or, you know, so it's not the head coach running. Basically, the only, am I right, guys? What do you think, Yeah, yeah you I guess it's different for every different for every organization. You know, you have some organizations where the owner or the GM might have their hand in the situation. But then for the most part, you know, you have some teams where you look at Bill Belichick, you know, you know he's running the show. Jason Garrett, not so much. Mike Tomlin, you know, it can be a mixture of things going on in, in Pittsburgh. So it, it, it all depends on the organization. You have some organizations where the head coach, he's the guy. You know, like I said, with Bill Belichick and even with Andy Reid. But then you have some organizations to where the GM, you know, is kind of split half and half. Like here in the, out here in the, with the Texans, like Bill O'Brien, he's not running the entire show. Like it's, it's a few people that have their hand in it, the GM and the owner. So it all depends on the organization. What do you think, Doug? Hmm. You know, I, I think you've got a really bright guy here in Anthony. Uh, I can see why you wanted him back. I think he's got his finger on the pulse. I think he's exactly right. Chris? Well, yeah, I, I, I agree. <laughs> uh, yeah, me and Chris talked about that when he was on last week. Right. Like, man, you know, and I definitely want to get a shout-out to Chris, too, guys. She went through and you know, got everything set up for me for the show with her. 
She was like, oh, I did research on this, so I want to get a shout-out to Chris, too, for that, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, you guys, we got to take a break. We'll come back. You know, uh, Chris going to be all over, so we're going to be Yeah, back. Line, line up. Line up. I got my questions ready. <laughs> this is James, Chris, Doug, and then we'll be right back. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Want to experience football from the perspective of two former players who also have coaching experience? Tune in to Sports Info UM with Daryl Oliver and Sam Sword. We'll talk about the drafts, play by play, and even what's happening in the offseason. Daryl and Sam have the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. We'll cover the camps, on and off field, and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Okay, sports fans, here's your opportunity to discuss football, America's favorite sport. On an annual basis, millions of people attend, watch, and listen to football, both pro and college. Ray Ellis Sports, an internet talk radio show, was developed with the fan in mind. Join host, former Philadelphia Eagles and Cleveland Browns strong safety, Ray Ellis, on Voice America Sports every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific for exciting, interactive football discussions from the fans' perspective. Tune in every Tuesday at at 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice American Network and let's talk football. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Your internet flagship station for sports... Sports. You're hooked up with Loving That Sports Talk. James Loving and his guests want to hear it from you. Call us at 1 888 346 9144. That's 888 346 9144. Or drop an email to Loving That Sports Talk at yahoo.com. Now, back to the show. Hello, this is James Love, your host of Loving That Sports Talk, co host with Chris. You there? I am right here. I'm waiting. I'm just waiting. <laughs> you did an excellent job this week. Man, <laughs> we don't need no more gas. We just got to have uh, Ashley and Doug on for the rest. Yeah, for, for the next 26 weeks, are you guys are you guys busy? Are you guys free? <laughs> <laughs> well, go ahead, it sounds Chris. like you got one week of security there, Chris. There you go. That's that's what that's, and I'm going to live on it. I'm going to live on that one week. So, Doug, you know, you 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 actually talked about Bill Belichick, which is a nice little segue into my question that I have, and I, that's what I told you. So, Bill Belichick, you know, we all know he's New England Patriots head coach. He's a no nonsense coach. He has no no. He sorry, he has non negotiable rules that he sticks to. You know, he's also the reason very few of their players have a negative spotlight on them when it comes to the news. Should more and, and we talked about this in, early in the show too. So, but but should more coaches use Bilicek as an example when it comes to cleaning up teams? Doug, be my guest. Uh, thank you very much. Um, you know, I think all of us would agree that the game of football is is about character. Uh, you you have to have the attitude to push yourself to uh, the extra mile, the extra running, the extra lap extra sprints, extra push-ups, doing more than what you thought you could do uh, because the game demands that. And so I think, uh, I think character is, is, a, is a pretty solid um, goal or objective, I think, for any uh, team. And I think head coaches know that when they have people of character uh, on their team and they're committed to each other, then they've got a, a strong team. So I, I think getting back to your specific for Bill, uh, I don't know him, haven't met him, um, and he has a certain style that works for him. Uh, I have seen other people um, uh, try to emulate uh, Bud Grant's style, and that didn't work. 
because only Bud could do what he did. And so I, I think it's more individual. Um, I think, you know, people who have, uh, they have their certain rules, and they say these are the rules that work, and when you break the rules, then you're not going to stay with us. I think that's, that's the approach that uh, the coaches need to take today. Some, some have a hard time sticking to that, but, yeah, thank you. Anthony, what do you say about that? What do you say about Bill? That's, that, that's right on what Doug said. You know, you have some coaches sometimes, they might try to emulate another person, but sometimes it doesn't work out too well. And a, a, a football player, especially, you know, a professional player, they, they can see right through it. If it's not genuine and it's not actually who you are, and then along the way as a coach, sometimes you're going to slip up because that's not who you really are. So you just have to be yourself and kind of run your team and your organization the way that you best know how. Because if you try to be all of Bill Belichick, there's no way you can be all of Bill Belichick. But you can take some things from him and then apply them to what you do. And you might borrow some things from another coach and apply them to what you do. But the core has to be who you are. You have to set the foundation for your team and your organization based on who you are. But for the most part, uh, Bill Belichick, his situation, he forces you to be to be able to walk that line. He forces you to be on time for meetings. He forces you to have great character, all those things, because you know if you slip up, you can be out the door. I, I read one time where Tom Brady said that he was in a meeting and uh, he had had a bad practice, and Bill Belichick just ripped him all through practice throughout the whole entire time. And then they asked Bill Belichick about it, and he said, uh, well, he had a bad practice. You know, treated him just like he was a normal, uh, the everyday football player. You have some coaches that wouldn't dare do that. They wouldn't dare call it that star player. But, you know, that's the guy that Bill Belichick is. So, But for the most part, you have to run your organization from the core of who you are. You know, you can take some things from Bill Belichick, but you can't be him. You know, that is true, but... Uh, Doug, don't get mad when I say this, but, you know, I say back when you played, you know, 73, because, man, I used to watch it. Just, I used to love just it. after I... fire. They invented fire, and then I played. <laughs> <laughs> the dinosaurs are just, just barely dying. But, <laughs> okay. But, 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 but correct me if I'm wrong, Ann. I'm not trying, but, uh, Doug, we played like this. I watched, I thought football was under control there, man, you know? You didn't have where players was, like, um, talking back to coaches or going off. Now you see it, man, and you say you have to be controlled, the coaches, and it's like you see a guy like say, I'm a grown man. I make more money than you. I ain't got to listen to you. Do you guys see the difference, Doug? Yeah, yeah it's most definitely a difference, and that, that brings it back to how big the game is and how much money the players are making now because you have a situation. And then, you know, you have some coaches now that are actually younger than the players. So you have right. some players that, they, they just won't stand for someone younger than them, making less money than them, talking to them a certain way. So you do get in those situations sometimes, but then you also have the players that look at it and say, hey, this is my job, this is my boss, and I'm a part of the team. I want to help the team win, so I'm going to be respectful of what he wants to run in this organization. So you have both sides of the fence. Doug? <laughs> it's just... I was just daydreaming here. Um, I, I, <laughs> I were going back to coaches and, and um, the one that I had, Bud Grant, would every uh, November would tell a story. And uh, we played outdoors, as you knew back then, and we always, uh, we always were winning our division then. So we got the, you know, we had playoff. Playoffs would be in Minnesota, and 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 people remember that. They remember the snowbanks and things like that. And they come in with a camera, and they got the the you know the frozen breath coming out, and the steam off the helmets. And those were the the good old Viking days. But what Bud, the story that he told, he said that after World War II, we were really worried about the Russians coming over the top, and uh, so they created the defense early warning, the dew line. And they gave the job to the Army. And so they're out there. It's going real slow because they're out there on bulldozers up in the Arctic Circle, and they're trying to uh, install uh, radar equipment. 
and they found that the Eskimos could be out there for two hours, and uh, but when the Army guys went out in the bulldozer, they could only be out there ten minutes, and then they'd have to come in. They're too cold, so they shipped a bunch of Eskimos to Washington D.C. and they measured their skin and, and uh, checked their blood, and they came to the conclusion that they were no different than the Americans. And so they asked the Eskimo, why, why can you be out there for two hours? They said, well, we know we're going to be cold. The Americans didn't want to be cold. And he would tell that story every November because then he would say, you know, the rams are going to come in here and they're going to have their fire pits on the side and they're going to be over there trying to warm up. He said, you, it's zero. You, you, can't, you can't be warm. And um, that was kind of gave us that, that sort of that advantage, uh, an emotional advantage. And going back to coaches, I can remember uh, we were, we were going to play the Cowboys back in the NFC Championship, uh, my rookie year, that had been in 73. And they had this great defense. Um, and uh, we were having, getting ready for the game, and the offensive coordinator, Jerry, the very first day, Jerry uh, Burns, uh, we were talking about what we were going to do, and somebody raised a question and, uh, and, uh, about the defense, and he said, the flex defense is what it was. And he, he turned around and he said, look, I don't care what they're going to do. This is what we're going to do. And that one statement that he said on Monday changed the whole tenor of the week, the practice, and the game. And so going back to you know, our conversation about coaches and things that they say, that that was unique for Jerry, and yet it it had such an impact on our team. I think that was the factor that helped us win, and that's that's really what coaches can do. Hmm. Yeah, that, there's there's something to that. You know, they've they've got to be the leader, and they've got to be the one to uh, you know everyone everyone's going to follow. <laughs> so, so wow. So, so what you're saying, Doug is coaches do win games or the players because is that what you're saying Doug? Um, I, 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 I think that they both it, it's got to come from somewhere and uh-huh. you, can, you can be in that defensive huddle and all of a sudden somebody says guys this is the play we're going to make it happen and somehow people believe and it changes the outcome of that particular play it's going to come from a player it's going to come from a coach but it's got to come from somewhere, and that's where the winning teams happen. Um, and that, that's just my impression and my observation. Chris? Well, you know, what more can I say on that one? Because that's, that's very true. Yeah, it is. It is true. All right. Go so, ahead, okay. Let's move on to my next question. And and I know that uh, Anthony's going to love this, so it has to do with Miles Garrett. He was the number one draft pick by the Cleveland Browns earlier this year. And to me, I think he's the real deal. I mean, he is just phenomenal. He had career sacks at Texas, Texas A&M. What I want to know is what's your prediction on him with the Browns? So I'm going to go with Doug first. Well, okay. Oh, shoot. I think a guy that comes out of A&M is going to be a pretty upright guy. And uh, I think he's got his act together because of where he went to school. And so I'm going to bet on him. Okay, being down here, uh, A&M is A&M country here in Houston. You know, everywhere you turn, it's about Texas A&M. So I had a chance to really watch him play throughout his the entire season last year. And he was banged up some, so he missed a couple of games. But when this guy is on and he's ready to play and he's focused, he can completely take over a football game. Now, of course, going you know into the NFL is a different level of play. You know, I, I don't think he's just going to come out and dominate his first year. You know, it's going to take him a little time to get in there and, and, and start to figure things out. You know, I kind of... I think him and uh, Clowney, they're, they're similar players because they're both very athletic, very fast, very strong, and all those things that you look for in a great player athletic-wise. Now, the main thing he has to do is just make that transition to the NFL, you know, because the college game is one thing, but once you get to the big boy league, now it's a totally different ball game. I want him to be, I want him to be great. 
because it's going to help the Browns in a great way. And I remember back when I was drafted in 2000, uh, we drafted Courtney Brown number one overall out of Penn State. And he was a freak of nature. But he just couldn't translate to the NFL game the same playmaking ability he had at Penn State. And that would be the only thing that I would worry about because he was so dominant in college. Like, how is he going to make that transition when it's not that easy to him and the, the offensive tackle is not that small and not that slow? So, you know, is he going to mess with him mentally or, or, is, he, or is he a guy that's going to just get better and then eventually be that star that everyone hopes that he's going to be? But uh, I want him to do well, and he has the skills and the tools to do well. Now he has to just make sure he makes that transition mentally to be able to, to perform at a high level. Correct. You know what? We got to take another break, a last break, but then when we come back, um, um, Doug kind of upset me with that one, Chris. He said he come from A and M, but what about the schools like Wyoming? Come on, y'all, they good there too. <laughs> he didn't say anything about his school, Minnesota. <laughs> but he had a good point on that one. That outgoes for recruits, but we'll be right back. I was able to, to say something about that. Come on, Anthony, you both take up for Wyoming too now. Come on. <laughs> we'll be right back. Your internet flagship station for sports. Sports. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're hooked up with loving that sports talk. James Loving and his guests want to hear it from you. Call us at 1-888-346-9144. That's 888-346-9144. Or drop an email to lovingthatsportstalk at yahoo.com. Now, back to the show. This is James Loving, your host of Loving That Sports Talk. Co-host with me, Chris. I'm here, James. Chris, I wish we had more time, you know. I wish we had more time. You know? Well, There's Chris, always next week. The, let's change the last um, part of the show up. I know you got a bunch of questions, but we definitely got to get Anthony and Doug back on. I mean, they call in every week. <laughs> right, Chris? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Call every week. But um, let's let this last part, you know, um, uh, what I would like, uh, I'd like to hear stories that they could tell us. Um, um, especially tell, you know, if they got something going on, let the listener know how they can get a hold of them. I know Doug does children's books. I know we're going to order some. Uh, but, um, yeah, I want the guys to tell stories like they could tell an NFL story or college or just something funny or it could be funny or something that they, you know, helped out. But who want to go first? Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll take it first because I'll let Doug finish off. I'm pretty sure he had, has a great story and he can finish it off. Uh, I just had one where it was kind of talking about, you know, the leadership with the coaches and different things like that. Uh, I was a, I was my second year uh, when we were in Cleveland uh, for training camp, and Butch Davis had came in, and he was our uh, new head coach. And, you know, he came from Miami, so he's basically following Jimmy Johnson's shoes and everything. 
And our first team meeting, he told us how nothing was important in our life but football at that time. So, you know, he was making statements like, you know, your family is second. And all these things were like so many guys have families and we're kind of sitting there puzzled like we never heard a coach kind of come across like that before. And, you know, so he was just telling us how everything is secondary in our life. And, you know, so we want to buy in. So, you know, put football first. Hey, we want to make this thing the best we can. And maybe about week, week, week three into training camp, you know, we're grinding it out. It's hot. We're tired. You know, every day you talk to your family on the phone. That's about it. And we're in the cafeteria having lunch. And him and the coaches, they come in with their family, with their wife and their kids. And they sit down and they have lunch in the cafeteria. And us as players, we're looking like, we're puzzled like, this is not what you told us this was about. You told us your family is secondary and everything like that. So that just kind of rubbed a lot of players the wrong way. And he, I, he lost some people that day, some veterans, some young guys. And that was just kind of, you know, a story I wanted to share with you guys how also your head coach can say some things and then he can do some things that's different. You know, you can you can say one thing and then do do the opposite. So that was a situation where some players, the coach lost a little credibility at that point with us. Okay, so that was my story, and I'm pretty sure Doug got one better than that, though. Well, I, I just say that's a great story. That's that's a great example of breach of trust that injures yeah. the relationship with the players and the coaching staff. My story was uh, in uh, New Orleans. Uh, we had we had played in Super Bowl eight and and lost and that was the year that we we got uh, we played uh, practiced at a high school field and had birds in the showers and it made nat- national news <laughs> and Bud made a comment about it and then Pete Roselle fined him five thousand dollars for saying something so the next year we're playing in New Orleans and uh, the Steelers were down at the Fountain Blue downtown we were we were in some two-story hotel right at the end of Runway 9 at New Orleans Airport. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) and and it was a a, a French kind of thing, so it had a big uh, open, uh, it was kind of a square, and you had about, you know, 200 feet uh, square field in there, just kind of a courtyard. And it was Friday afternoon, we'd finished our practice, and all of a sudden, we're, we're playing cribbage in our room, and we hear this pitter-patter of feet and snickering outside the door. So I go outside and open the door, and here's what I see. I see Alan Page and Wally Hilgenberg, and they've got waste baskets full of water. Just below them, you've got Howard Cosell, the whole television setup. He's interviewing Fran Tarkenton. And Fran is sitting across from him, and Fran could kind of see a great peripheral vision but Howard didn't know what was going on behind him. The cameras, you know, they were focused on the camera. And so he saw the whole thing coming. And I watched him, and they go, one, two, and they nailed Cosell. I mean, they nailed him with this water, knocked his toupee off, and he quick grabbed it. It was on the side of his head, and he pushed it, pushed it back up there. And then he turned around, and Hilkenberg ran. But Alan stayed, and he just just had a big Cheshire cat grin on his face, looking down on him. And uh, Cosell, his, his finger was was curved, and and pointing up at at, at Page, and he said, "I'm going to get you for this, Alan." <laughs> That's all he said. And the, the next year, uh, I mean, I'll, I'll just finish with this. He could have been a national hero. They could have cut that photo. They could have cut that uh, film. Right when the water hit him on the head, he could have been a national hero. Instead, he, he canned the whole thing when they didn't even use it. So that was uh, kind of a testimony to the kind of character he was. But the next year, he did get Alan back. We were a Monday night game, and Alan was out uh, with hemorrhoids. And five times during the broadcast, <laughs> five times, and Alan Page is out with hemorrhoids today. <laughs> That's a true story. You know what? Man, you're a little younger than me, but I know you do too, man. I remember those guys. God, I used to love those guys. Remember that, man? Yeah, yeah, most definitely. Man, 
<laughs> well, before I turn right now, I want to say this. I want to say uh, I just love y'all being on the show. Y'all be on every week. Um, I would love to have y'all on. I'd love to do definitely uh, uh, what they call in. And uh, me and Chris sit back let the callers give you guys, you know, the question. And, and I'd definitely like to do a show one week, uh, all the emails I got for the show. And I'll let you guys answer the question, too. But um, you're welcome every week. We got five lines we get on, right, Chris? Yes, we got we got a few lines. Yep. So don't worry about that. And uh, I, I keep telling you. And uh, the shows every they play it every Friday, Monday rerun. And Chris will send you a link so you guys can you know go back and listen to it. She'll email that to you. But um, thanks again, Doug and uh, and Chris. I mean, I, I really do appreciate it. Made my day, Chris. You want to say something? Oh, yeah, absolutely. That, 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 these guys, these guys were a hoot. These guys are great to have on. So, please, you know, let us know when you're ready to come back on again. That's no problem. All right. Uh, Anthony, you keep taking care of those young men and keep feeding your life into theirs. I sure will. I appreciate you. And it was great talking with you, Doug. Uh, and it was a great experience, especially hearing some of the stories and some of the knowledge that you have, you know, being able to, to play in, in the Super Bowls that you did. Man, that's awesome. You know what's good, Doug, is um, last week really didn't get the chance to get into half about, you know, a little bit about more of him. But I loved it this week, you know. You know, just learned so much about him, man. <laughs> Yeah, well, if you good. want, I'll send you pictures of a loser's ring in the Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing well, is, you still that, have it. That's the that's the ring that you at least have on your finger. <laughs> uh, gosh. Hey, remember, again, remember Jim Kelly? Jim Kelly yeah. had, had uh, four Super Bowls he lost in uh, up there in Buffalo, and they asked him why he didn't wear his ring, and he says, because I get it, in case I get into a room with someone who has a real Super Bowl ring. <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right. All right, thanks again, guys. Hope you're on next week. Have Thank a good you. week, guys. No I'll, I'll send you an email. All right. Okay. Thank you. All right, Thank take you. care. Right. Okay, bye. That's going to do it for this week's edition of Loving That Sports Talk. But don't worry, James Loving will be back next week, Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Get ready to love more sports talk then. And keep in touch with James all week at lovingthatsportstalk at yahoo.com. 